Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. We are on day two of Judge Tunch Brown Jackson's confirmation hearing before the United States Senate Judiciary Committee. She continues to take questions from senators from both political parties on a wide range of issues from philosophy to court packing. Uh, a lot of political grandstanding in play. The question is, can we get past the headlines of the politics? What have we actually learned about Judge Jackson and what can we expect to learn in the days ahead? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. And it is time to think again about these hearings and, and what is actually going on. For the most part, they have been fairly subdued and fairly straightforward. Uh, I have always said that these hearings should be both rigorous and respectful. Uh, that really is the, the tone and the tenor that should be uh, had as these questions are asked. It is important to be rigorous uh, in terms of some of these questions. This is, this is a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land with far-reaching ramifications over the years. Uh, I think Judge Jackson has done a, a very good job on her part of listening. She's had to listen to a lot of uh, bloviating, quite frankly, from both sides of the political aisle. As some of these uh, politicians have been more interested in scoring political points and they have been asking meaningful questions. And we're going to get into that. Uh, there is an art to the follow-up question. And there is a, an art and a science to actually listening after you ask a question that I think is important. Uh, I want to go to some of the things that Judge Jackson has said that I think were important because uh, for all of us to keep in mind and remember, I just want to frame this as we launch into the day today, that it is vital that what we're really looking for in these hearings is to understand how she thinks, how she makes decisions, the way she approaches the law, the Constitution, the application to specific cases. Uh, it's not about gotcha questions. It's not about hypotheticals that uh, are highly unlikely and usually very misleading. And I think Judge Jackson did a very good job of staying in that space of let me tell you how I got there. Uh, I was talking with Maria just a, a little bit ago, and this is the ultimate in show me your work. I want to see your work in terms of how you get these. I may disagree with the outcome of a trial or a ruling that you made over the course of your career, but show me how you got there. That's that's interesting. That's important for us to understand. Uh, judge Jackson said that she has a method for remaining a neutral judge and adhering to the limits on judicial authority. 
I thought that was a very important statement, that she actually has a method for remaining neutral as a judge and adhering to the limits of judicial authority. That limits on judicial power is important. Uh, part of that method includes looking at the laws passed by Congress and their original intent. Uh, also important. Uh, she's done this a number of times throughout the course of the day today uh, to kind of turn it back on these senators and say, look, you passed the law. <laughs> My job is to apply it uh, and uh, to look at the interpretations when it is violated. So if there's a change, that has to be a congressional thing uh, in terms of what the intent of that was. Uh, very interesting. Right off the bat today, as she was questioned by the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Democrat Dick Durbin from Illinois, uh, he asked her about her judicial philosophy. Listen to what she said. I am uh, observing the limits on my authority concerning the question. So if it is uh, a statute, for example, or a provision of the Constitution, I'm looking at the text. The adherence to text is a constraint on my authority. I'm trying to figure out what those words mean uh, as they were intended by the people who wrote them. So at this point, um, I'm looking at original uh, documents. I am focusing on the original public meaning because I'm constrained to interpret the text. Judges also look at history and practice uh, at the time of the the. the uh, document was created if it's a statute i'm looking at congress's purposes because again i am not importing my personal views or policy preferences the entire exercise is about trying to understand what those who created this policy or this this law intended uh, so a very nice laying out of this is my model as a judge and this is what i intend that i would do as a member of the supreme court uh, in that same exchange, Judge Jackson uh, went on to address there have been some on the, the right who have uh, questioned her commitment to being tough on child porn offenders. Uh, this, this question, again, came from Chairman Durbin, and it was interesting. She actually showed her work and the process that she goes through. This is worth listening to. There's a statute that tells judges what they're supposed to do. Congress has decided what it is that a judge has to do in this and any other case when they sentence. And that statute, that statute doesn't say, look only at the guidelines and stop. The statute doesn't say, um, impose the, the highest possible penalty for this sickening and egregious crime. The, the statute says, it, calculate the guidelines, but also look at various aspects of this offense and impose a sentence that is, quote, sufficient but not greater than necessary to promote the purposes of punishment. And in every case, when I am dealing with something like this, it is important to me to make sure that the children's perspectives, the children's voices are represented in my sentencings. And what that means is that for every defendant who comes before me and who suggests, as they often do, that they're just a looker, that these crimes don't really matter, they've collected these things on the internet and it's fine, I tell them about the victim statements 
that have come in to me as a judge. Uh, very important. And obviously dealing with child pornography issues and those who carry out just those heinous crimes against children. Uh, I thought it was very important that Judge Jackson went through, yes, this is how I look at the law. Yes, this is how I look at the sentencing guidelines that have been established by Congress. And then in every case, I go to the victims' voices to make sure that the children's voices are represented and heard before a sentence is passed. And uh, I thought that was very compelling in terms of what the justice did, not just in saying, hey, uh, these are awful, uh, horrible acts and they need to be punished in significant ways. Uh, and she showed all the process that she goes through to get there. That's an important thing to understand about someone who will sit on the highest court of the land. And then finally, she explained how her experience as a public defender uh, actually made her a better judge. When people go through the criminal justice system and don't have a, a good understanding, they tend to not take responsibility for their own actions. They tend to be bitter and feel as though the justice system has wronged them. And so while they're doing their time, rather than reflecting on the fact that this is the consequence that they have to face for actually um, committing a crime, instead of doing the work to rehabilitate themselves. And so what I decided as a trial judge was that I was going to make sure that everyone who was in my courtroom, and especially the defendant, understood all of the procedures that we were going through, all of the steps. I spoke directly to them. I asked them, do you understand what's happening? Because I wanted them to know. And then even perhaps more importantly, as I said about my, my child pornography cases, I focused on the harms of the behavior that was at issue. When I sentenced a defendant, I made clear in every case, here is the problem. This is what you've done. Here is the damage to our society. And I don't know that I would have done that um, if, if I had not been a, a criminal defense lawyer. So great uh, insight there. I think uh, Judge Jackson has been uh, doing exceptionally well in her answering. Uh, always interesting to see where senators choose to go with their time, how they choose to allocate that. Again, 30 minutes each for all 22 members of the Judiciary Committee today, 20 minutes each tomorrow. Uh, we're going to stay with the question a little bit longer and look at what's happening inside the room, what's happening in the ante room, uh, some of the hallway conversations back in D.C. Uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee will join us coming up next. Uh, he had an opportunity to spend 30 minutes questioning Judge Jackson. We'll get his perspective on her responses and where things go next on this important Supreme Court nomination. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.